Coming up on Colony Confidential. What is it? Like uh, Latin American. So I saw that American. Okay. I don't remember his name. Um, Faith Oi. Um, we should definitely have Jeff White from Bed Bug Central on. We should definitely have some jerk off on from <laughs> Greenpeace or something. Some tree hugging jerk off, right? Let it she huh? go at it with them. Let me try and mediate. <laughs> some what do you mean? Some Peter asshole that thinks you should fucking catch a mouse in a building on 65th Street on the 85th floor and take it downstairs and let it out the front door. There's people who think like that? Yeah. Plenty. You know, I'm going to tell you one of my most favorite stories. <clears throat> I bought a route, and I, my brother borrowed on his retirement. He bought half the route. So he's doing a route <clears throat> in the beginning, and he goes, Oh, I told you about this woman last week or last month when I was here. She wants to, I told you what to do. Well, now she don't want glue boards. She don't, know, she don't want them to get hurt. So she gets on the phone. She had a voice that you just want to reach through. You know what? I'm like, I got just what you want. It's a trap. You catch them alive. And then I can go across the street and let them go in the park? And then this is, you think someone that, 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 that's intelligent, <laughs> they're living right across the street from Prospect Park. I figure, geez, this is a nice apartment. So I says, I told my brother, go do some work. I'll meet you there in an hour. So I go back, I told him on the phone, these traps are $120 a piece. I said, only take cash. All right, I want two. <laughs> so I show up, Jimmy's with me. I, you just watch him, shut up. So she goes, oh, I'll write you a check. I said, I want cash. Harold, go down to the ATM and get $240. You could, this guy came out, I'm like, oh my God, this guy's been so whipped. I didn't feel bad about taking the money, but anyway, we walk outside. Jimmy goes, you told me the traps were $20 a piece. I go, right, $20 a trap. He goes, what was the 100 for? Aggravation tax. You want to be an asshole, you pay for it. He goes, you do that to everybody? Actually, it's the first one I met. If I meet him again, I'll do the same shit if they're willing to pay for it. They caught... <laughs> Iris has a lot of good qualities, but some of them you just want to laugh at. Her and the... Uh, were kind of terrified. <laughs> and he picks up this mouse and takes her across the street and lets it go. I know, I know. It'll be back. She said it never came back, but anyway, Iris has learned a lot about pest control since that little conversation. He caught a mouse? Mm-hmm. And she well, set what? it free? Like how? Yeah. I think the mouse was sick. He ain't catching a healthy mouse. You never know, you know. Where is she from? A place where the guinea pigs are their pets until they decide. Oh, Peru. So she's born in the jungle. You know, they teach them young how to catch things. And she... This all has to be edited, deleted, and burned. He's a Buddhist, though. Now? Today. So we could get her a broom for her birthday to sweep her feet so she don't kill nothing? Listen. That's their thing. That's their thing. I, I told her it's her fault. I didn't judge you. I just said you got to give kids a chance to screw up and don't run in and rescue them. It's part of life. I remember I went to this seminar and that guy from uh, Left Rack, Lil, he was talking and somebody had a question. He said, how did you learn how to do all these smart things? And the guy said, by learning from my many mistakes. Can you please introduce yourself? And tell us how you got started in pest control. My name is Edward J. Sheehan. 
How I got started in pest control. Well, I had this job in a bank that didn't pay very much. and I, The future didn't look too good when they told me how much money I could make in 10 years. And um, I was always working part-time, cleaning halls, wrapping halls, washing cars, doing some kind of landscaping, usually cutting grass. And um, my friend, late, great Jimmy Maloney, came to me. We were upstate in uh, Greenwood Lake, which was a place you went to pick up women back in the day. It was Labor Day weekend, 1967. Maloney was an asset to a point when you were picking up women because he was extremely good looking. Anyway, we managed without him, and then he showed up the next day. I said, what the hell's the matter? He got this new job killing bugs, which I thought was rather comical. And uh, on the way home, he said, you know, the guy's looking for a guy on Saturday. I said, okay, yeah, I'll try it, but we got to use your car. I said, fine, we'll use my car. So I show up. The guy welcomed me, told me he was going to give me a tutorial on spraying. And across the street from his office was a bar. I forget the name of it. If I'm going to guess, I think it was the Club Panama, but I'm not sure. Anyway, went into this bar. He sprayed part of it. He handed me the tank. I started spraying. He says, you're a natural. I passed the test. So me and Jimmy go out. And I had heard about neighborhoods that were ghettos and stuff. But, I, you know, you hear about them, you see them on TV. It's just kind of rough when you see them in person. Kind of sad. Anyway, we're spraying, and um, I couldn't stand the smell of the chemicals. So after the third or fourth stop, I go, I can't do this shit. I can't stand the smell of this crap. So he told me, look, we got to finish. I said, I'll finish the day, but this ain't for me. So on the way back, he tells me, wait till he pays you before you tell him you're not coming back. I said, all right, fine. So I was used to getting 20 bucks a day, mopping halls and whatever else I did. That was his going rate. So the guy handed me 40 bucks, I went to hand Jimmy 20, and he gave Jimmy 40. So I'm really good with numbers. Figuring after taxes, I took home $68 a week from the bank, had to take a train and a bus, had to wear a suit. And um, I wanted to meet these, I wanted to meet more people, real people, not phony people. And... Um, so I asked him, do you want me to come back next week? He said, yeah. So we get in the car, Maloney goes, what the hell happened? I thought you weren't coming back. You didn't like the smell. I told him I didn't like the taste of whiskey when I first tasted it. How'd that work out? So we started laughing. I came back, and uh, within a month, the guy offered me a full-time job. So I told the bank I was leaving, oh, no, you could be making $10,000. In less than 10 years. No, now that we've got less than 10 years. I figured if 40 bucks a day, I could be making that a lot quicker. Well, what I didn't know at the time was Saturdays was our big day. But anyway. Anyway, they sent me up to this fat old guy. And he's yelling at me. How dare, like, I shouldn't even think of leaving this wonderful job. I kept telling him no. And he told me, okay, tell me what you, what you don't want. Tell me what you don't want. So I don't want to be a fat old man trying to bullshit some kid. He told me I could leave. Thank you very much. I left. Um, I was very happy with the job, even though some days you didn't, you didn't, a lot of days you didn't make 40 bucks. But you came out the end of the week 
with about $160 average, which was a lot more money than I was used to. Of course, my beloved mother told me I hit the bottom of the barrel. They had sent me to a good Catholic education, and now I'm the goddamn rat catcher. And I told her how much I was making. Of course, she increased the monthly VIG <laughs> that I had to give in. Instead of 25 a week, it was now 30 a week, which was okay because I was still way ahead. And everything was, was good. I can't tell you what it was, but it was good. And um, anyway, as I progressed, I found out I could pick up a lot more money by selling jobs. Turns out our boss at the time, I won't mention his name, was a dishonest man. You turn in a stop, this, they want to be done tomorrow. You come in tomorrow, he tells you they called, they changed their mind. This happened three or four times. So one day, myself and Jimmy and this guy, uh, what was his name? Uh, his name will come to me. Anyway, we're talking, and everybody's got the same problem. So we start keeping a list of the stops we're turning in. It turns out the stop that I gave him, he was given to Jimmy. So he didn't have to pay no commission, giving me Jimmy's. Max, that was the guy's name, Mac McCrory. He had a store on, uh, eventually, me, Jimmy, and him all had our own business. Mac was on Rochester Avenue. And um, so I started keeping the stops. I said, hold on, I'm not going to turn them in. And then I went to Ireland with my father for a month. And Howard, excuse me, that was the guy we worked for, so I mentioned his name. He wanted to know where I got the money to before I was a kid. But I didn't have a wife that went to the country, up to the Catskills in the summer. And I didn't have a couple of girlfriends on the side. So that's why I could afford it. I didn't say that to him. I just said, I saved my money. What do you want me to do? When I came back, all of these routes that I had put together that really liked me and wanted me, he had given to this guy, Irwin. Irwin was a handicapped guy. And the reason he gave it to him was because Howard had moved his family from the Vanderveer Apartments to a nice second-floor apartment in uh, Paddockett, and the, this kid's parents were the landlord. So I got this route where I wasn't making that much money, still more than at the bank, but my stops weren't that close together. I had to travel further. So anyway... After a month, he goes, oh, I'm giving you the route back. This guy had totally screwed up the routes in a month. I got him back together again. Then he tells Maloney he's not letting Maloney use his car to do stops. Because Jimmy was mad at me because I had a car. <clears throat> I could have quit, but I wasn't going to. I was into something good. <clears throat> Jimmy got a job with this other company. And he told me it was a union job. And was much better run. You didn't have to work as hard. You still got your money. Because we were getting paid piecemeal. Uh, anyway, I go to work there. And uh, the pay that I got from them was less than I would make at Howard's. But it was a union job. And I had accumulated a, maybe $300 a month on the side I was doing myself. But he had other, they, they had other guys there, older guys, that I could learn a little bit from. They weren't too easy giving up their secrets. Anyway, myself and my cousin, Johnny Birmingham, we come up with the idea we're going to start our own company. And he came up with the idea, Checkmate. And he makes up the business cards. And I say, I told you, don't put my name and address on it. It puts my name and address. So Howard says, oh, I heard you got your own company. So I gave him a card stupidly, and he sends it into the guy I was working for, and they fired me. So I walked outside. I was letting one of the guys take all the equipment out of my car. I was on a pay phone. 
told Howard I could work for you three days a week. He says, okay, come back. In the meantime, I'd applied to the city to get a job for the Department of Education. So I only worked for Howard for a couple of weeks. Then they called me. They said that uh, I probably wasn't going to get keep the job long because you had to take a test, and the test has already been taken. So I said, okay, fine, you know, whatever. It was a typical city bullshit job. You, had, you couldn't do any more than five schools a day. So you know, I'm doing the five schools. I, I said, this is bullshit. Like, I'm done at 12 o'clock. But you couldn't punch out until 4 o'clock. You had to punch in at 8 o'clock. So I met this very wonderful Irish custodian. And he tells me, give me a card. I'll punch you in and out. Mint. Mondays I do 13 schools. And Wednesday I do 12. This went on for a couple of months. They called me up. They said, um, we, were keeping the, we were keeping the poison, the pesticides, in one of the schools, in a room, small like a closet. So they told me that uh, whoever they were getting, uh, American fluoride, is coming to drop off chemicals. I said, I got enough chemicals. We'll throw them out, spill them out in the street, get rid of them. I said, okay. So I put them in my parents' garage. And that went on for a while. And then I was having a meeting, and I told the guy, you know, I don't understand. I don't understand it's five schools a day. I mean, I could do 10 with no problem. It was like I raped everybody's wife that was there. Oh, are you fucking crazy? You know how long it took us to get this? I said, just a suggestion, do whatever you want. I wasn't learning anything. I didn't like, I, I, the people I worked for were okay. But it just pissed me off that the city was spending this kind of money and uh, some union or however these guys jerked the city off that they would only do five schools a day. Everybody there was doing work on the side. Nobody admitted it, but they were all doing it. And then um, it tells me, you know, that list is going to get called soon. So I, I went to the union, a very nice union president, Pat Carroll, and I told him, he goes, oh, there's this job at Temco. So I'll go down here. So uh, they hired me at Temco, and the guy said, look, we got trouble on a Brooklyn route. We lost like half the route. See what you could do. So I spent a lot of time in the stops they still had. And then when I went back the next month, they said, you know, the guy they took after they got rid of you guys, not doing so good to that store across the street. I told them about you. So I got back maybe 50% of the stops they lost. Though I was a big hero. And then they made me a foreman, which was $25 a week more, a pain in the ass in the beginning, but good learning. Now I'm 20, 23 years old. And I'm, I'm bossing guys around. The closest guy in age to me was 31. And they had this other guy, John Kennedy. He was shot out of a plane over Ployeshti in World War II. He was in a POW camp. You couldn't talk loud around him. He didn't like you to talk loud. But this guy, I learned so much about rats from this guy. This guy, you pick him up in the morning. He had, a, he had an apartment on 90-something Street, which is probably now cost you a gazillion dollars a month. But at the time, it was low income. Anyway, he's cooking leftovers from the, from, he saved from a couple of meals, and he had them in a gravy, and he's mixing a poison with it called thallium sulfate, which we can't get anymore. And that stuff killed him like in 30 seconds. The only thing is you have to wear rubber gloves and be careful because it'll screw you up too. Anyway, um, so me and him made a deal. So he was cooking this in a pot in his apartment. Yeah, in his house. That he probably later used to cook all the food. No. Oh, this had was a big just thing a... on it with a skull and crossbones oh. and then poison. <laughs> no. So he, no, this guy was top-notch exterminator. When he went on vacation, 
he told you, you don't have to do my stops. So what do you mean? I told him I'm going on vacation. I don't want anybody else. So I'm looking at the routes, and I'm saying, you know, John, you got four stops on Fridays. He goes, can I got to talk to you? He goes, I run a, a bicycle rental business in Central Park. I've had this forever. So I'm like, why screw with this guy? I never get a complaint on his work. They're happy with the money he brings in. Fine, no problem. Go. Then we have this other guy, Irwin. Irwin has a problem in a Taft Hotel. So they go up there and straighten it out. So I go there with Irwin. Irwin's going to show me how to do it. We walk is this in. Irwin, Irwin? No, this is another guy. You're thinking of the other Irwin. This is Irwin. Irwin um, told me, you walk in the front door, you say hello to everybody so they see you. We go down to housekeeping. There's like 15 complaints. I go, okay. He goes, you just sign off and then we leave. I said, what about the complaints? I said, we're not leaving. I find out they got the second biggest water bug problem I've ever seen. I tell him, we're going to get some DDT. So he goes, well, I got two other stops to do. You'll do them tomorrow. We spent the whole day there. Went to the rooms and everything. He goes, you know, this is such bullshit. He, what do you? I said, this is what we're going to do. So we came back the next day. I gave some of his routes to other people. And uh, he's all just, I go, just shut up. And they were real happy. Everything's so good. I go, just do the complaints. Okay. So then uh, I tell my boss, Saul, who's a cool guy, I said, you know, he goes, well, I want you, he's got another problem out in, uh, at this place. Maybe I shouldn't mention it, but anyway, it was in Staten Island. It was like a home for kids. Two sides on off uh, Jonguli Boulevard or Father Capadano Drive. I'm not sure where. So he goes, I'll do this side with the girls. You do that side with the boys. Said, All right. This is an old, like, ah, God, this thing must have been built in the late 1800s. Going over there. Roaches. So I spent about three hours straightening out their kitchen. I go across the street, can't find Irwin. Now this place is crawling with nuns. I find Irwin in a closet. Can I just talk freely? He's getting a from some kid, some young girl. So I'm like smack him in the face. Look, shoot, you could go too. I go, get the out of here. I fired him. So he told me, you can't fire me. I says, why can't I fire you? I'm Jewish and Sal is Jewish. Let's go, we're going back. On the way back, I said to myself, if he don't back me up, I'm leaving. So when we went back, he tells him, oh, he's freaking guy is trying to fire me. He goes, you're fired. Who, what, what? He goes, you're fired. Get out. Get your, turn your shit in, get your pay, and get out of here. So after he li I get all the shit out of his car, Sal's laughing. I go, what are you laughing at? He goes, you did the right thing. But you don't fire somebody until you hire somebody. I go, oh, he goes, no, we could give some of the work to the other guys, but you're going to have to break your ass to get somebody new. So I called the union, and um, I got this guy that was highly recommended. He's, he's straight now, Pat. Guys, he's straightened out. So I hire him for the interview. Guy's fantastic. I said, let me make up my mind. So I'm thinking he's straightened out. Call him two days later. Come on in here now. We got to sign the papers. The guy's drunk as shit. I said, nah. Anyway, we got somebody. I don't remember who he was okay, I guess. But what happened was uh, we were doing termite work that I was very suspicious of. Besides the regular work we did, we had these special jobs. And you took one of the night guys that worked in, uh, they, they had a, besides the pest control, 
they cleaned offices. So you took one of the office cleaners, some really cool guys, Murray with the teeth, smile, he had big teeth. And this other guy whose name I can't remember, he was saving up so he could buy a house down in North Carolina, South Carolina, moved back there. But hard workers. And uh, I asked someone, I go, what's the deal, 250 no guarantee? He goes, come here. The salesman that sold cleaning, people would say, oh, I heard you got exterminated. And he go, oh, get your deal. They were charging 250 for the termite job. The salesman would get 50 bucks and Saul pocketed the 200 He's giving me 25 So after we were doing this for a while, I go, this shit's no good. I said, you know, I know you're buying too much chemical and you got this guy Tony selling the shit on the side. He goes, we'll never get caught. I go, ah, no, I'm done. Anyway, a couple of months, six months later, Saul gets fired. So they tell me, we're going to give it to you. Oh, one thing Saul did for me, he did a lot of things. He taught me a lot about business and all the intrigues of working in a company, corporation, all the backbiting and political bullshit. <laughs> and he also, I wanted a raise. I said, you know, I'm running all over the place. He goes, look, I asked these guys to give you a $50 raise. They wouldn't give me a penny. Now, Saul was Jewish, and he called these, and these other guys were Jewish. He told me these bastards won't give you a penny. He goes, but can you get me $50 a week in parking receipts and gas receipts? I go, yeah. So I went to my friend Larry Brettler, where I bought my gas and told him my problem. He gave me $50 a week in gas receipts. And then I was spraying this place, and I saw a book of uh, parking receipts, and I uh, commandeered the book. I wrote out, so I was getting 50 bucks a week cash. So Saul taught me a good lesson. He told me, you got to take care of the horses that are pulling the wagon. Okay, no problem. So Saul's gone. They got all this faith in me. <clears throat> I double these his business in nine months. So I told him, I want 400 a week like Saul got. What? So I don't want a company car. I doubled your business. Get out of here. So I said, this is the same bullshit. I'm too young. So I told him, look, I'll come back tomorrow. How old are you at this time? 25? No, 26. 26. So um, I uh, come back the next day. Because I told you, get out of here. I quit tomorrow. No notice. I'm leaving tomorrow. I'll ruin you. Ah, f*** you. Turned in my shit. I left. And, uh, yeah, I had told him while I was managing the pest control division, you're ordering too many chemicals. Don't, don't change nothing. So I didn't. I met the truck on the loading dock and told him half inside, half leave on the dock. I took that to my parents' garage. So I had very low overhead. I had about $900 a month I was doing on the side. Oh, and I almost got in trouble. But thank God Saul was still working here. They want to know why you haven't cashed your checks in two months. I said, <laughs> I was using my cash. I didn't tell them that. I go, uh, uh, he goes, just cash them. I don't want to know nothing. It's okay. So going back, going back, going back, when I got the job at Temco, when I first started there, I don't want to leave this part out, uh, they asked me for references. So I called the guy who used to work for that freaking Howard. And I told him, look, I know we had things, but, oh, I'll give you a letter of recommendation. Okay, and other people, whoever they were, gave me good letters. Howard sent a letter that I was thief. I robbed him and everything else. And I got my own business. So I come working here like two months. So I goes, tell me about Checkmate Exterminators. I go, what about them? What do you know about them? I go, who are they? He goes, some little company in Brooklyn. I, I don't know them. But by that time, I had gotten a lot of their stops back. 
that they had lost. So, so anyway, to skip forward, when I got a hold, when I was in charge of the pest control department, I call up personnel. I said, I want everybody's um, personnel folders on my desk. There's a letter on my folder from this prick, excuse me, Howard, that I was a thief and all of this shit, so I make two copies of it. I put it back. Okay, you can take them back. I go by his shop. I go, you mother. Well, if ever I can screw you, every time I'm going to screw you, every chance. What? I said, what'd you write that letter for? I didn't. I said, here it is. Huh, tears it up. I go, here's another one. I can get more for you. Anyway, I spent the rest of my life in pest control. I would give you a bonus if you got one of his stops. I don't care if you underbid him because he was cheap. Just get it. One of my faults, when I got a grudge against you, I don't give it up too easy. Anyway, um, so to get back on track now. So I left Tempco and um, started my own business. I was making money, but then I started drinking. And uh, my route revolved around a bar called King's Corner. The only day I didn't drink was Sunday. It wasn't because of church, it was because... Through my friend Nick Andrewsy, I got this stop Holiday Inn on uh, West 57th Street, which was like the biggest stop I had. And um, so I didn't drink on those days, and I shaved on Sunday. <laughs> the other days, I, I was running around with a pistol, and I, uh, maybe I had two or three days growth. I always wanted to look roguey. And it was okay for that time. Except on Sundays, I had to shave to go and make sure I look good Monday. So anyway, uh, I don't know. It was, it was, uh, I started to have some clarity. <laughs> like I knew I was making money, but I never had money. That was not acceptable. And then I met Peggy Nally. She was a hell of a drinker. And um, started slowing down. Then we, we, we got married, she stopped drinking, I got real serious, and then we had my son Eddie, and I thought I was working hard, but uh, when I left that hospital, I was like a tiger let loose. I really started uh, looking at the bottom line, making sure we could save money, get out of the apartment. I loved the apartment we were in. The neighborhood was getting a little dicey. I caught a guy robbing my apartment, coming home with Peggy and my friend Fat Neil. Probably a um, guy was about my height, coming out of my apartment. Grabbed him, asked him, what are you doing? He says, I was at the party. I told him, let's go to the party. Uh, I took a, a Beretta pistol off him, which I was holding from my friend, whose name I won't mention. I knew the gun was unloaded. I took him in. All the cushions were thrown off the couch. No, I didn't touch the uh, kitchen, big mistake. And the bed, the room, I go, you fuck. So I took him into the kitchen where I had a loaded 25 automatic. I put it to his head. And I took him back in the bedroom. He kept begging me not to shoot him. And uh, I figured if I shot him, uh, there going to be a lot of problems. So he was sitting on the window that he came in. I pushed him out the window. And to this day, if you push me out a third floor window, I'm going to scream. He just went, whoa, whoa, whoa. Then I heard like a splush. And then I went out and I told Peggy and my friend Fat Neil were going back to the bar. And we went back and I told Jerry the bartender we'd been here all night. Absolutely. 
Came back that night, went to bed. Peggy kept asking me what the guy just kept the guy's gun. Don't worry, guy's gun. Hey, it's all taken care of. <clears throat> so next morning I sneak a peek out into the courtyard where he fell. So I'm like, holy shit, it's like nobody was there. But guy got got up and ran away. About a month later, I'm going down in the elevator. I meet this nice Jewish lady. She's smiling at me. I told her hello. She goes, I saw what you did. I said, what? You pushed him out the window? He couldn't rob me? I said, uh, I think he fell off the roof. She goes, he couldn't rob me. Oh, darling, he fell off the roof. I saw him fall off the roof. I go, thank you, Mamala. And uh, so I figured, you know, maybe it's time to get the hell out of this neighborhood. I don't know many of these guys are going to throw out windows. <coughs> and since Peggy was living with me, there was another thing to worry about. So we moved, and within two years, saved up enough money to buy a house. We moved, to, and then Joey came along. That was another thing. So I thought I was doing good. I see him in the hospital. I leave the street. The tiger's loose again. So working, we're making money, but I'm never home. I figure I'm going to die on the Long Island Expressway. I remember one night vividly, 2 o'clock in the morning, some guy fell asleep. Big accident. I always had a good car for work. So I got my air conditioning on. Everybody else has got their windows rolled down. And I'm screaming, fuck this shit. I want to go back to the city. This is bullshit. They all started rolling up their windows. So I said, they're going to come for a net now for me. Anyway, we moved back to Brooklyn. And um, I got a nice little building that we... It was perfect. It was dilapidated. It was a real fixer-upper. So we moved in with Peggy's parents. They were nice enough to let us have a room in their house, and um, learned a lot about our father, what a hero he was, and the guy risked his life, and if you ever think that that's bullshit, uh, look up the Battle of Peleliu in World War II, and from what I understand, he was a tank commander, I asked him, oh, so you, run, you went to the beach and you were up there sh sh spraying, he goes, listen, the only part of me that was up there with my hands on a machine gun, moving it back and forth along the beach, you know, but if you look up the history, these guys had some pair of balls, real heroes. Anyway, um, so we move into this new place, and uh, things are pretty good. I had a secretary now, and I think I had three or four guys working for me. And then uh, my friend Donald McGarity, who was a mentor, I met him through Nick Andrewsy. And uh, we were doing a lot of buildings for him. He's a slumlord. But a nice guy. And uh, to me, anyway. And he introduced me to a lot of people. And his secretary's husband worked as the engineer at King's Highway Hospital. So he asked me, did you ever do a hospital? So I lied and said, yeah, I figured it out. It's just an apartment building with sick people. So we get into King's Highway Hospital. And the housekeeper there was totally inept. You got to come on Saturdays. The reason he wanted me there on Saturday because he wasn't there. So I, you know, we did it a Saturday. A lot of people are visiting. It was bullshit. What am I going to do here on a Saturday? I'm limited. So I told him, we got to come during the week. Okay, so we came during the week. We solved, a lot, solved all of their problems. And um, this hospital was a profit-making institution. Uh, it was run by a doctor and his wife. And they were always on the spot. The wife was in 
managing the money and stuff like that. They made money. And they had a woman in the kitchen, I forget her name, half a lunatic. Everything, if she saw a roach, was the end of the world. When I told her about cleaning up the kitchen, her stock answer was, don't tell me I cook for the Israeli army. I told her, this is not Israel, we're not at war. Anyway, we had such a big argument, we had to go see Mrs. Burson, Dr. and Mrs. Burson. I think Mrs. Burson's name was Iolabi. It's a hell of a name. So we go see her, and she's telling her part, and I'm telling my part. So she says to her, what do you want to do? Get another exterminator. So she says, what do you want to do? I said, I want her to know that she could take care of the chickens, I'll take care of the roaches. So I stayed. And somehow we came to a piece of the lake. We stayed out of each other's way. We got the roaches down, but never gone. They were to an uh, acceptable level, I guess you'd call it. But kitchen needed a little more thorough cleaning. Anyway, uh, this guy, had, they make Harold, who was the housekeeper, they had another hospital. They make him the housekeeper of the other hospital, Flatbush General. He takes me over there. Small place. They finally found out how inept Harold was, and they fired him. So they got a new housekeeper. This guy's was, his name was Donald O'Toole. He tells me, why do I have roaches here and there? I said, I sent a lot of faxes. I don't see them here. So I call my office manager. I said, send over the last year of faxes we sent to uh, Kings Highway Hospital. After two or three faxes came out, O'Toole goes, okay, show me these places. So we have to tell him this other guy for a couple of years to clean his shit up, and he never did anything. O'Toole tells me, come back in two hours. Come back in two hours. Everything I want to clean was cleaned in two hours. Now, the people that worked in the hospital for housekeeping weren't too happy. They had to work. Or work harder. Let me put it that way. Because in their defense, mopping floors is one of the most boring as ass jobs you could do. You do it once a week, it's one thing. You do it every day, it sucks. I understand that. But anyway, I came friendly with O'Toole, and um, he was serious, so was I. So we had a few drinks together, maybe a few, more than a few at that time, maybe later on, whatever. Anyway, Harold winds up in, in uh, Kingsbrook Jewish Medical Center calls me up, they're looking for an exterminator. Blah, 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 blah. I wasn't the lowest bid. I was the second lowest bid. So I'm talking to this guy, Bob Norton, who was a real freaking hard ass at the time. I'm going to give you a chance, kid. Good. So we get in there. It was a big account, like two grand a month. This was, wow, nice. What so, year? Huh? What year? 1981. And um, anyhow, after about a Two months, I get a call. This is Bob Norton. Where do you fucking think your guys can show up late for fucking work? You think I'm going to put up with that shit? I go, I'll take care of it. So I get a hold of this guy, Harry the Ferret, who was working for me. I thought, what the hell is the deal? Oh, you know how hard it is to find parking? I go, you're off the route. I'll send you somewhere else for a while. And it is. It was hard to find parking. So I go to the parking lot, and I meet one of these guards. You can't park here. I go, you got roaches in your house? Yeah, I said, how about every month I give you a gallon of shit and knock the shit out of the roaches? So we got a spot to park. I tell Harry, I said, listen, he doesn't come in the front door. As you know, the side on 49th Street where they have that truck that gives out coffee, Diego, he's right there. He comes in at a quarter to eight every morning. You're going to get there at 730. And you're going to have a container of coffee to give him. It's okay. 
First day's there, Norton calls me up. He goes, you're pretty slick. I got to tell you. Tell the guy to put more cream in my coffee. <laughs> anyway, I told Harry, give him more cream in his coffee. So I'm up there one, I don't know, months later. We're starting to place in one of the buildings. It was just horrendous. So I'm up there, and he comes up here. I want to talk to you, kid. I go, this is it. He's kicking us out. He goes, don't think I haven't noticed that things are a lot better. How can we get them better? I said, we got to fog the ceilings. He goes, how much more would that cost? I don't know, whatever it was. I was going to charge him like two grand. Every three months, an additional two grand. So we worked it in, whatever it was, over the period of 12 months, we worked it in. So it was every three months, it was like eight grand. So we worked it in. Once a month, we increased the, that would cover that and really knocked the living shit. And it, it realized how much power I could have when people trusted me. I could get floors shut down. People would be moved off the floors, patients, someone would be taken on a day trip to King's Plaza, they go bowling or play bingo, whatever. The ones that were in ambulatory, they take them into a day room and they shut everything down. And I started getting a lot more respect from everybody that worked in that hospital, from engineering to security to nursing. And uh, I know Norton was talking me up about what a good job I was doing. And then he, he said, what do you do for relaxation? I said, I play racquetball. And that started a friendship that lasted till the day he died. But I used to come play racquetball. It was great. Peggy was there. His girlfriend, he brought his girlfriend. Unfortunately, later his wife. Anyway, um, so we're working here. We're doing good. Um, the, the Holiday Inn was starting to pay dividends because as I moved around, I met the managers. Um, I met uh, this man, Mr. Kekulis, who was the he managed the hotel. He, just, he went to the Harvard Club. He took us with us to, took us with him to the Harvard Club. One night working in the kitchen, I. Um, Saw this guy with a beard like they have today, but this was 1978, 79. And he had this big brass thing around his neck with a gazillion keys. And I was saying, who the hell is this guy? And he came over to me one night. He goes, hey, after you, you want to have a drink? I said, well, let me finish. This is my last stop. So I met him and in the bar in a hotel. His name was Richard Jabara. I asked him, what do you do here? He goes, I check shit. I go, oh, he says, my father owns the place. I said, damn, that's a really good job. Anyway, we became friends. He was my age. And um, he had a, a brother that was really cool, Teddy. Great guy to hang out with. And uh, so we're back to... So anyway, so anyway, Richard Jabara gets married. And his family, as a wedding present, bought him the Holiday Inn in um, Mount Kisco. So we got Mount Kisco. Then he had a kid. And I think they, they bought him the hotel in Danbury, Connecticut. So we got that. This is like years are going on. Um, and then he, he had this really cool number two guy, Kostos Karangopoulos, Greek guy, but really cool, cool guy. And uh, he calls me up, my boy, we have a hotel for you. I go, okay, where is it? I'm figuring, yeah, maybe upstate somewhere. He goes, it's in Pennsylvania. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, Pennsylvania. People here cannot get rid of our mice. So, the first time I went down to um, Pennsylvania, the town will come to me eventually. It took me four hours. <laughs> After I 
going down here a couple of times, I could make it an hour and 45 minutes with my, G not my GPS, my radar detector on. Anyway, we went down there, whole different world. You ask them to do something, they do it. And uh, we got rid of, well, first time I was there, I used up so much poison. I had no more left. I told them I got to come back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe and review. Send us anything you want us to know about at colonyconfidential at gmail.com.